When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Red Sox Beat. Another edition here, April 22nd, a couple weeks into the season here. Uh, Jess Thomas here, Lauren Campbell, no Jared this week, so I will be your gracious host for the evening. Once again, this is Red Sox Beat. You can follow us on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS for all of our content. Uh, you can follow the website as a whole at CLNS Media and CLNSmedia.com as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about our 17-4 and Red Sox today. Lauren, it's been a while. Pretty good team we got here. It has been a while. I don't think I've done a show since the regular season started. Uh, we did a show, the two of us, three games in. We were 2-1. and one. Oh, okay. That was so the last I show. <laughs> so I've, I've, done, I've done one. But yeah, so see? And now I come back and they've lost two. So maybe I should just step away until <laughs> for a little while. Well, they've won uh, 15 of the 17 games since you... Since you no, 15 of the 18 games since you've been here. It's pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> It's always fun, though. I'm, obviously, I'm happy. I couldn't be happier. If you follow me on Twitter, I am just thrilled that this team is doing so well. Right, your daily uh, record update. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's always Gotta chirp those Yankees fans. That's right, because they're not doing too well. Uh, so, let's start here uh, with this Angels series. The last Orioles game got postponed on Marathon Monday, because it was the worst day ever, and it was raining sideways. So, they postponed that game, uh, and at that point, the Sox had... A pretty healthy uh, four-game winning streak, and a, you know, take away the Yankees game they had won. They had eight wins in a row before that, so they're on a pretty hot streak here. Going into Los Angeles, at that point, the Red Sox were thirteen and two, and the Angels were thirteen and three. So it looked like it would be a really good matchup. Uh, the first game was Shohei Otani against David Price, and the Red Sox won ten to one. Hit six home runs. Mookie Betts hit three. And Otani was knocked out after two innings with a blister on his hand and poor, poor performance. I give credit to both of those. Um, and then the second game, the Red Sox won 9 nothing, And the third game, they won 8-2. to So they came in against the second-best team in the American League and scored 27 runs and gave up three. So really, just want your first reactions from that series because I don't think anyone could have predicted that massacre. No, especially the game, you know, it. you go in Otani and Price. It's like... You, you want this matchup, and it's going to be a good matchup. And, you know, Mookie leading off the home run, I was like, all right, like, all right, let them play from behind. And then it just kept getting out of control, and Otani just didn't look good. And obviously I'm going to attribute it, attribute it, attribute it, there we go, as well to the blister and poor performance because the control wasn't there. The command wasn't there. And that was very obvious from the get-go. But they also showed, like, where his blister was, and it was in a really tough spot just even try to grip the ball, but it's like, 
that was the last thing I expected. I expected close series. I expected maybe the Red Sox. Well, I didn't expect them to sweep at all. I expected two out of three. But that's what I just, think. It was just like, oh, we're gonna sweep the second best team in the in the league, and everyone's like, they've played bad teams. That this is just a fluke, and they go they come in and sweep the second best team in the league. And as me and Jared pointed out uh, on the last show. The Angels' offense was incredible. They were first. They were first in all the categories. The Red Sox were second in the the uh, hitting categories. The Red Sox were obviously a better pitching team up to that point, but the offense, the Angels were just crushing everybody. I mean, they had 13 more runs than than the Red Sox, and that was over the second place team. So they were like light years ahead of the rest of the league. So that's what shocked me so much was that they just got completely shut down, and their pitching was just terrible. I guess. My question for this series to you is, what do you attribute the power surge from? Because obviously they had 13 home runs in 15 games before this series, and then they hit 11 in the three-game series. Like, that's just so far off from what they were doing. What what do you attribute that to? Um, I attribute it to a lot of things. I think the players getting routine rest, I think that's huge. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are panicking over that. I think it's a power move by Cora. I love that. Um and I think it's just this team is clicking. I know they lost two in a row. I'm not really worried about that. But going into the series, this team was just the offense was there. The pitching was there. The defense and the chemistry. It was just something. I don't know if something was said. I don't know if it's just because it's a new season, fresh start, new coach. It's just there's a different feel to this team and a different kind of like chemistry in that in the dugout. And you kind of see that from game to game. So between the players getting the rest that Cora thinks they need, which I think is crucial, to just kind of being able to be the kind of batter they want to be, like they'll swing at first pitches, they'll take first pitches, they really work the pitcher and they work that count. So I think it's a a lot of things, but whatever the hell it is, it's working. Well, it's fascinating you say like the, the taking pitches because they still have been, like you said, working pitchers a lot and like going deep into, you know, get, getting the pitch count high yet. They've been swinging at so many first pitches because core is all about that. So they're really interesting balance of swinging at the first pitch, but still working the pitcher and knocking him out of the game. I hate first pitch swinging. Like I, <laughs> I hate it. That's just my personal preference, but it's worked so well. It has. And I'm glad it's worked, but it's just, that's just not my thing. I hate it. I hate, I mean, I'm like swing, what, swing at whatever you want, but I'm like, when they swing and miss at a first pitch, I'm like, ah, I well, nuts. I see both sides because, like, you don't want to because, like, you want to work the at-bat and see several pitches. But on the other hand, as you know, better than most most people, the first pitch is mostly a fastball down the middle most of the time. Yep. That's, that's a good pitch to hit. Even growing up when I played softball, my coach, he never said, like, don't swing at the first pitch. But he did say, like, unless it's your perfect pitch, don't swing at it. So right. I, I, I definitely see it from both sides, but I – I was not a first pitch swinger. That was not my thing because I'm like, I want to work the count. I want to get on base, even if that means by a walk. And I'm not going down a one just because I want to swing. Yeah, it was the same way. I like to see pitches too, but core is not about that. When you have a guy like Betts leading off who hits three home runs in one game, I mean, I guess it works. So it's I mean, it's awesome. But this series was just crazy because the history that this team's making, this was the most home runs uh, in a three-game series for the Sox since 1977. It's a long time ago. We were we weren't even close to being here. And I wasn't even a thought at that point. No, neither of us were. 
and I mean, 11 home runs, like I said, after 13 and 15 games, then they hit 11 home runs in three games. That's just mind-boggling. And I guess the other thing in terms of the offense is five grand slams by April 21st after none last year. It's almost like you expected at this point when Mitch Moreland came up in a 3-3 game in the second game against the A's, it was tied at three and he had the bases loaded. First pitch, he hits a grand slam. It's like it was so scripted. It's like, all right, let's hit another grand slam here. Mitch, go. And he's been hitting the cover off the ball. So does that have to do with swinging it? early in the count, or is this just some freak thing? Because, I mean, this is an unheralded amount of Grand Slams. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, like you said, you know, these players are allowed to be the the batter they want to be under under Cora, and that's fine. Farrell had his own way of coaching, just like any coach does. They have their own style. But because Cora kind of lets his players do, like, play how they, like, to their own style, it really helps. And I would attribute it a lot to Cora, except the Grand Slams are coming, you know, aside from, like, J.D. Martinez. These Grand Slams are coming from players that I wouldn't really expect, like, like the first five of the of the year. Like, Rafael Devers, Mitch Moreland, I wouldn't expect a Grand Slam. Bogarts you know, I, had the first one. I would expect it from, you know, like, Ramirez, like Hanley Ramirez, Mookie Betts. Um, you know, and I know J.D. Martinez had one. Like, we expect him to hit home runs, so... It's it's just funny to see how this team is just coming together and how they're working together to just produce these runs. I mean, Rafael Devers hit a grand slam. I, I never thought I was going to say that this season. And I had no idea if I was going to say this team was going to hit a grand slam this season. Well, it's funny with Devers, too, because he only had one before that. He was getting a ton of RBI, but he wasn't hitting the home runs, which is funny because everyone was expecting him to be a big power hitter. And in my bold predictions, I said he was only going to hit 14. And so far, he really hasn't hit that many, so... He's more of a run producer at this point, which is obviously nice to see because it's clearly working because a lot of guys are being run producers, so that's really exciting. But, I mean, Betts, three home runs in this game. What can't this guy do? He's 25 years old, and he's already had three, three home run games. That's nuts. It's, it's insane. And I think it's funny, you know, people underestimate him as a leadoff hitter. They don't like him there for whatever reason. I'm big Mookie Betts leadoff kind of person. And he's just doing everything right. He's doing, you know, it's April, but he's already, you know, having an MVP season the first month. So yeah. he's just doing everything right. He's coming into his own. He's young and he's just going to keep getting better. Like he's, he's 25. Like you said, he's in his prime right now. So like from 25 to 28, 29, we're going to see the best Mookie bets. Yeah. I mean, he's hitting 366 with six homers and 14 RBI. And the, the key thing with him was that he started off the season with a great batting average, but he wasn't hitting home runs. Then he has this three-home run game, and then it's just like everything comes together all at once. You know, he leads the team in doubles. He leads the team in homers. He's um, fourth in RBI because everyone's getting RBI. Uh, he's first in runs. He's first in hits. He's first in average. Well, Bogart's a better average, but obviously only nine games so far for him. So um, Betts is really doing everything, which obviously you expect, and – you know, no slow start for him this season. He just came out came out firing in this game. Um, so yeah, that was the Angel series, three game sweep, twenty seven to three, um, and eleven home runs, which is just absurd. So then they went to Oakland, played the A's, and um, this didn't go so well. Uh, the first game was a seven three win, which was highlighted by the Mitch Moreland grand slam that made it seven to three. So that took care of that game. Uh, and then on Saturday, Sean Manaya threw a no-hitter, which 
couldn't make less sense because he just no hit a team that was seventeen and two at that point and had won eight straight games, and then he threw a no hitter. I mean, that should be counted as like three no hitters, shouldn't it? And he also going into the game, his career ERA against the Red Sox was thirteen point five. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, "We got this in the bag." And then I was covering the game, and I'm sitting there, and it's like the fifth inning. I was like, "Wow, there's really not much to write about." <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't like click that there was no hits. And MLB had tweeted out that Manaya had no hit through six, and I was like, "Oh." He does. Like, no, we'll break it up, no problem. And then I don't know if you saw the Red Sox tweeted no hitter, no hitter, no hitter for like two hundred and forty characters. I did see that. It was great. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, no way. I was like, he's not gonna no hit the Red Sox, the best offense in this league. In the eighth inning, three outs. I was like, Okay. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I was like, I have most of the recap written. I was like, I just feel like it's so short because there's nothing to write about on the Red Sox side. Like except the controversial call from the yumps about Andrew Benintendi. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I was like, it's all going to be about Manaya. So I was like, okay. And the ninth inning comes, and I was like, here we go, two outs. Hanley Ramirez is like, he's definitely going to break it up. It's the only, it's, it's the best guy to do it. Nope, Gra- grounds right out. I was like, no. Hey, man, I, I was, was happy. Like he was losing his control too at that point. He had a walk and then two straight balls, yep, and then he got he him was, out. I mean, his pitch count was high, but 108 pitches. That's still not bad for nine innings. But you could tell. He was getting tired, and he's, you know it's got to be in the back of his head too that you're no hitting the best offense. And with JD Martinez, Hanley Ramirez, you know big name batters. So I mean, this guy struck out Hanley Ramirez twice. That, that's incredible for somebody who's you know not really known that well around the league. He doesn't have a big name. He probably will now, but <laughs> it's I mean, and I love seeing a no hitter, and it's fun to see because. They're just rare. Whether it's against the Red Sox or not, it's rare. But definitely the last thing I expected was getting no hit by the Oakland Athletics. I know you expect to lose a game maybe to the Angels, not the A's. You know, the, the 13-3 and three team, oh, yeah. not, not the 9-10 and 10 team. So, nope. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. It was He pitched great. He had 10 strikeouts. And not just the fact that he no-hit the Red Sox, but like you said, the Sox hadn't gotten no hit in 25 years. So they're really hard Almost. to no hit. Almost 25 years to the day, which yeah, one, I thought was really interesting. One day off. Yeah, it was April 22nd and April 21st. So, yeah, I guess it was bound to happen at some point, right? I mean, they hadn't gotten no hit for 25 years. <laughs> it's a long time, so I, I was it bound is. to happen at some point in my mind. So he did it, and, I mean, that's baseball for it. It's the most unpredictable game. You can go from being 17-2 and two with the best offense to getting no hit the next day. It's just how baseball is. So And, and people say baseball's boring. Oh, anything but... I was like, that's that's incredible. And the game, it was hilarious. I was like, oh, Chris Sale, West Coast game. It'll be quick. It sure as hell was quick, but not the way I wanted it to go. <laughs> yeah, it was very quick. <laughs> One of the, I think today's game was quick, Two too. Two hours and 16 minutes. Yeah, that's... Yeah, today's that's game nice. was quick. Yeah, and today was a 4-1 to one loss. Um, also a well-pitched ball game by David Price and Daniel Mengden. But unfortunately, Price just couldn't get through his last out of the eighth inning. He pitched seven and two-thirds. Give a three-run homer to Chris Davis, unfortunately. The uh, Chris Davis with the K, not the C. He's having a bad year. Chris Davis with the K, he's having a good year. Yes. <laughs> so he hit the three-run homer off Price. That made it 4-1, to one, and then the Sox couldn't score in the ninth. So that was a tough loss. It was a close game. It was one nothing and 1-1 one one for the whole time. So that was a tough way to lose. Also another quick game. But 
the the nice thing about the two losses is that they were both well pitched games because Sale pitched really well on Saturday and Price pitched really well on Sunday. You wouldn't expect to lose either of those games with who's pitching, but the fact that two of the four losses were well pitched games by the Red Sox is a good sign. Oh, absolutely, especially coming from Price and. I know we've talked about it before that I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on him coming into the season, especially everything that happened last year. So to see him come out and kind of just take control of his pitches and his command is there and he's confident. It's a totally different David Price and he's getting deep into games. Like I know it sucks. He gave up the Chris Davis home run, but he was in the eighth inning. We would love and we would pray and we would just do whatever we could to get him into the eighth inning last year. And here he is just cruising like it's nothing. Yeah, it's nice. It's good to see. And the pitching overall has been good. I guess the only one that you have a question about at this point is uh, Drew Pomerantz. He came back on Friday in the 7-3 to win. Didn't pitch well. Uh, he didn't He didn't go very deep in the game. He only pitched a couple innings, but he did end up getting seven strikeouts. And he kept his team in the game, obviously, because they came back and won. But, you know, he put him in a 3 nothing hole, and he just wasn't sharp. And he threw so many pitches. He threw, like, 45 pitches in the first inning, and he was way up there, all, all the way by the third inning. So I get, what's your take on his start? I know it's only one start, and I know that we're not quick to exaggerate on things like one start or two starts or three games or anything like that, but what did you see from him? Um, I saw a guy who hadn't pitched in a while in the big leagues, yeah. and the first inning concerned me, but not. I wasn't like overreacting. It's it's his first start, and you know he needs he needs two or three starts to get into a groove. And I don't expect him to get shelled in two, the next two or three starts, but you'll see like more confidence, more command. And it's just a matter of just getting back into a groove. That's all he needs to do. And I think another thing is people tend to forget is our pitching is really solid right now. We're spoiled by it. So mm-hmm. Duke Pomeranz comes in and doesn't have a perfect start. And people lose their minds. So he, he was 17 and six last year. He was very well, but he, he pitched very well last year. Or the, I think he was our second best pitcher. But 100%. that's not who he is consistently. Like, he's not – I mean, he's a good pitcher, but he's not somebody who's going to get 20 wins every year. He might not even get 12 wins every year. You know, he's he's a good pitcher, but he's he's the fourth and fifth starter that, that runs out the rotation for a reason. Yeah, and I'm not concerned for a couple reasons. One, he didn't get hurt. That's a good sign. So it means he came, he came back at the right time because he didn't have to leave with an injury. And my second thing was getting the seven strikeouts because he was a good strikeout pitcher last year. He was rolling. He got a lot of strikeouts, and um, I think that's the most important thing because, like you said, first start, he hadn't pitched in a while. So he didn't go deep in the game. He threw a lot of pitches. So be it. But the fact that he didn't get hurt and he got seven strikeouts were both encouraging signs to me. And I love that Alex Cora does not screw around with this high-pitch count thing. Like, he goes in and takes out Chris Sale because of a high-pitch count. So – He's really looking out for his pitchers, and it's really going to prevent, you know, any injuries that could possibly happen down the line. And especially with somebody like Pomeranz, who's coming off the DL. You need to be cautious with him, regardless of what his injury was, or if something could be re-aggravated or anything. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, it's so cool that this team was 17-2, and two, or at that point 16-2, and two, and Pomeranz hadn't even started a game yet. Your second best pitcher, your 17 win, 332 ERA guy from last year. That's huge. That's awesome. So I'm glad that they played well without him, and now he's back, which is going to be helpful. I want to get to a few other pitchers, but first I want to talk to everyone here about draft. 
If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our favorite app, Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league, but they only draft for one night. When you're done drafting, that's all you have to do. You don't have to do any trades, no waiver wire. You just set your lineup and then check it later on and see how you did, or check it while the games are happening because it updates live. So either way, it's fun. Uh, the best part is that you play for cold, hard cash, and you get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1. You have $1 ones, 3 5 10 whatever you want. There's a draft for everyone. I've had a lot of fun on draft. I've made some money from it. And actually, something I learned today, Lauren, um, I was fumbling, fumbling around with it, even though I've been doing it for several weeks now. Um, you can do free drafts. Pay no money for it and also get no money for it. So if you just want to draft a team and just for the heck of it, see how they do, you can do a free one. I did that today. I was like, I'm going to try this out and see see how this works. And it was fun. I mean, there's no, you know, I didn't have to worry about it. I just draft a team and see how they do. And that's good practice. Like, that's good practice drafting if yeah. you want to do either money leagues or even season-long leagues. Um, but even though you get killed in those leagues. But it's good, it's good draft practice because everyone, I do a lot of fantasy sports and everyone's like what's your secret it's good drafting so get get in there and draft because how you draft is how you're going to finish so get in there do your free draft do your free games have some fun with it and then kick everyone's butts in it yeah it's great practice because you can you can start off by doing a couple free ones and see how you stack up see how your players are doing and then start doing it for money so it's a lot of fun um and it's very good practice so i discovered that today you can do head-to-head and you can do three-person drafts for free. So, but what I want you to do is join me on Draft today. All you have to do is search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer on Draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Red Sox B listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to do is use promo code Red Sox Beat. That's right, a real money league for free using promo code Red Sox Beat. All you have to do is search Draft in your app store, go to Draft.com, enter promo code Red Sox Beat. And then you get a free entry when you're with your first deposit. So please join us. We've had a lot of fun on draft, and you will too. Now I want to talk about one particular particular pitcher here because he's my guy, and he's your guy, and he's been our guy through the good and the bad. I want to talk about Rick Porcello because this man is four and zero with a one point four zero ERA. And the best part about Lauren, and I'm so excited about it, and I think about it every day. Zero home runs. He's not giving up a single home run after giving up 38 last year. I love this guy. Can you uh, can you say his record again just for in case those people missed it at home? 4 and 0, oh, 4 <laughs> wins, 0 losses. 0 home I runs. It. I love it. I think um this is and like I said, I know it's April. I know it's early, but I mean, if this guy was 0 oh and 4 with a 6 something ERA, oh, everyone would be all over him. But People He's are pretty been, quiet about him. Oh, it's funny how <laughs> quiet people are this season about certain mm. players, mm. Rick Porcello being one of them. It's it's really funny. And it's really funny just, like, how good he is this year. I'm not funny. That's not really not the right word to use. but It's awesome is what it is. He's in the zone. He is so focused. His command is there. He's just – he's confident. And – I mean, he keeps us up. He's going to have another Cy Young. <laughs> I said it. I said it in our group chat, her Red Sox team. I said, early frontrunner for Cy Young, Rick Porcello, two out of three years. I mean, he said he was ready for this season. He said that he figured out what he did wrong from last year. He worked on it. And I'm sorry, but he won Cy Young two years ago. 
he looks better this year because he still gave up a lot of home runs in his Cy Young year. He pitched great otherwise, but he still yeah. had he still had a decent amount of home runs. So I know it's only four it's starts, but I mean four starts and no home runs. And the other best part, besides the home runs, the guy has one walk. He has one walk and twenty three strikeouts. He's been incredible. I mean, Chris Sale's been awesome. Yeah. Sales one and one. He's only got a one eight six ERA, and he's got forty one strikeouts. But Sales got six walks and he's going to have two home runs. Porcello has one walk and zero home runs. Porcello's been the best pitcher on the team, hands it's, down. It's it's refreshing to see because he did give up a lot of home runs. And I just remember last year, the second he'd hit a home run, people in our group chat would be like, "Not a Porcello start without a home run." Blah blah blah. Like. And yeah, I get it. We get used to that. It's you know, it's, it was typical poor fellow last year. But like you said, he said he's ready for the season. He's locked in. And I don't know if it's you know, people like batters are just swinging faster or swinging at everything that they see. But he's got some really good pitches this year. They look good. They're moving well. And he's just he's ready. He's ready to get just out there. And no home runs is huge. I think that's kind of really going under the radar right now just mm-hmm. because it's still early I think that's like the theme of the show that I've been saying it's it's it is still early but no home runs through four starts that's huge that's absolutely huge for Porcello because you give up a home run that's at least one run automatically so he's saved at least four runs in those four starts just there that alone not that they needed any runs saved in those games but it's it's refreshing to see it, this whole this whole starting rotation has just been refreshing to see. Yes, it has. Yeah, and Porcello is the only starter who hasn't given up a home run. Sales given up two. Johnson gave up one. Price two. Erod two. Pomerantz. Um, Pomerantz didn't give up one, but obviously he's only pitched three and two thirds innings. So everybody else has given up a home run. Uh, Velasquez with two also. Uh, yeah, the starters. Yep, Porcello's four and zero with a one four zero. Sales one and one with a one eight six. Price is two and two with a two nine three, and um, obviously Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez both filled in really nicely. They both pitched very well. So, and then Erod is uh, two and zero with a three four five, and has pitched great in his last two starts after having a bad first start. So, they've all been great. And my question is about the bullpen here for you because they pitch really well and they have good stats, but as you know better than anybody watching all these games. They haven't really had that many pressure situations because the offense has been so off the charts. So, what are, what are your thoughts about the bullpen? Are they just are they just are they getting more credit than they deserve because the offense has been so good, or are they actually good too? No, I think I think they are good, and I know there were questions before the season started about the bullpen just because it was kind of up in the air. You know, Carson Smith, Tyler Thornburg, and there's always questions surrounding Joe Kelly. So, I think that they're getting the credit they do deserve. I don't think there's too much given there. It's just everything's been really, really good this season so far. And we want our starters to get to the 6th, 7th, 8th inning, at least the 6th, so our bullpen can be rested and get in there. We don't want starters coming out in the 2nd, 3rd inning. So it's nice, but it's also nice to see if they do have to come in, we're confident in them. At least I am. I don't want to speak for everybody else, but... No, I, I think this bullpen is, is fine. And I think, you know, it's still a small sample size, but and supposedly we're getting Tyler Thornburg back in next month or so. So it, it's really going to be interesting to see how the season progresses. 
just how the bullpen uh, progresses throughout the season, just because, like you said, they haven't had a lot of work on their plate, but it's been, I mean, they've been great since since the beginning of the season. What more can you ask for? They certainly haven't blown many games, because there's not games to blow, and they've only lost four games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in the last two games, the starter gave up all, all the runs in the game, so... I mean, Carson Smith's not pitching well. He's got a 5.14 ERA, but like, the great thing about all of this is that there's not a lot of pressure on any of them because they haven't had to pitch in a lot of stressful situations. So they're getting kind of a reprieve here at the beginning of the season, so they can gear up. Because you know how baseball works. In April, a lot of the time, some bullpens are so taxed by the end of April because their team sucks so bad that they are gassed by like June. That's not happening with this team because they haven't had a lot of high-stress situations. So I think it's huge because they're going to be more ready later in the season than they would have been otherwise. No, definitely. And I think, you know, this comes – this is going to give the bullpen a lot of rest too. Like, Mm -hmm. And I know it's not ideal to not have them pitch for a lot of games, but it's going to be – it's going to be fine. I have, like, absolutely no issue with this going into – further into the season. Because nobody's pitched that much, which is awesome. And, I mean, Craig Kimbrell at the top of that bullpen, you know, he has five saves in eight games. He's pitched eight innings, and he has given up zero runs like he does. So you know he's there when you need him. They've hardly needed him because (laughs) their games just haven't been that close. But when they have been, he's been great, which is obviously huge because he's the most important one. Right. Let's go to the offense before we talk about a couple of league things and predict uh, the next next couple series here. Um, I mean, you... We have to talk about the offense with this with this team because that Angel series was just the most insane thing ever. I think the thing that stands out most for me is the ability of everybody to contribute. You look down their line of RBIs, Devers leads the team with 17, JD has 15, Hanley has 15, Mookie has 14, Benintendi has 13, and Moreland has 11. And Bogarts has 9, and he only played 9 games. They've been doing all this without him, which is crazy in and of itself. But that's six guys, all between 11 and 17 RBI, and it's only April 22nd. Like you're gonna have a lot of 100 RBI guys if this is if this keeps up because they're hitting the cover off it, and that's what stands out to me is just the the spread of of how many different guys are all doing this well all at the same time. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I know it's it's crazy, and and not a lot of home runs um, for the beginning of the season, and then they started picking it up, but. Those are also spread out. I mean, Betts leads the team with six with his three-homer game. But, you know, J.D. has four, Devers, Hanley have three, and then nobody else has more than two. So, like, they've been spreading out the homers as well in addition to the RBI. So who who surprised you the most on offense this year that maybe you wouldn't didn't expect to do as well as they have or that, you know, they're just doing what you expected? Like, who who's caught your eye early on? Xander Bogarts, and I know he was injured last year when he got the whole wrist thing, when he got hit off the wrist, um, and I know he's a completely different player when he's healthy, but he's just really, before he got hurt, he was just really hitting the crap out of the ball, fielding the crap out of the ball. I mean, he had the, the team's first grand slam. That was not yeah. something I expected at all. And I think he surprised a lot of people this year <laughs> in, and that's in short time. But I know he's a fantastic player. He's you know, he's been one of my favorites to watch over the last few years. But just his whole demeanor, I just feel like, because he's healthy, changed 
from opening day now till now. So I think probably him. I, I don't really see – I mean, Mookie's doing Mookie things. Hanley Ramirez is Hanley Ramirez. And it's just – everyone's playing really well, but I just think Sandra Bogarts has really stood out for me in the first month before he got hurt. Right, especially for – you know, how poorly he did for most of the last season. So, and isn't it ironic that he did that? And then he got hurt. We're talking about him being hurt, and he got hurt. But this is obviously a different thing, sliding into the dugout as opposed to, you know, getting hit in the hand. So, as long as it's not a hand thing, I think you're probably okay. Uh, mine, I kind of got to go with Hanley at this point. I mean, he's hit 314 with three homers, 15 RBI. Uh, his numbers aren't off the charts, but he's hit a lot of big hits. He's hit a lot of, like, important RBI. He seems to be more clutch this season than he has been in the past. And really, I mean, we talked about this all offseason. He's very important to this team because when he's playing poorly and he's not doing well, the team gets dragged down, and that's happened a lot over the last couple of years. And when he plays well, like he did two years ago, and like he's doing now, it makes a huge difference. So I think him just being, like, happy and actually hitting the ball and actually being dangerous is probably the most important thing for this team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Absolutely not wrong. He's crucial. He's totally crucial to what this team does, and right in the middle of the order. People were worried about that. They're like, is he going to hit? Is JD going to have anyone around him hitting? And they all have, so I think that's important. One quick thought on Ben Intendi before we move on. Are you worried that he's only hitting two forty three with one homer? No, because as I've said, all show. It's still early. Yeah. So you'll be worried if it's June and he's hitting 240 with three home runs. Then you might be a little concerned about what he's doing. Yeah, I think I'll be concerned. I guess it really depends where else his stats are. You know, like mm-hmm. RBI and you know runs. If he's getting on base, he's getting walked. You know, I he leads the team in walks right now. Yeah, so keep that in mind. he's getting on base. I think. Um, I think a lot of people were really high on him for obvious reasons, but no, it's. For every for every person who's telling us to calm down because it's April, because we're so excited over this team, I am going to be calm down about Ben and Tenney because it's only April, so I'm not worried about, about him at all. Yeah, I agree. And it's great for him because nobody really cares because the team's so good. That's the great thing about winning is when people don't play well, nobody gives a crap because they're winning. It's great. Exactly. It's, it's foolproof. <laughs> and Mitch Moreland also is killing it. We should quickly mention 349 with two homers and 11 RBI he's been awesome and that's been great because he could have gotten overshadowed this year very easily and he just comes in and when he gets playing time he says I am going to be an awesome hitter that I am and he's been killing it so great great to see from Mitch as well oh yeah I mean I I loved him I loved the the signing in the offseason for him I absolutely loved it and that was just proving that he's it was worth worth signing him again like what why wouldn't they yeah, he's been awesome. And obviously, of course, steady at first base, as he always is. He's a gold glove defender for a reason. So uh, let's go quickly around uh, the league, just looking at a few teams. Um, I guess the first thing that kind of is funny is that the Red Sox have, it's not quite the same now, but almost the same. Uh, when they hit their fifth Grand Slam, they had more Grand Slams than the Reds, Marlins, and White Sox all had wins. Which is just, I'm sure you saw that's that. That's that's just unreal. Yeah, it's it's funny because, I mean, I, I said it earlier. The last thing I ever expected was this team to hit five Grand Slams in the month of April, <laughs> yeah. let alone, like, just the month of April. I would have been happy oh. with five Grand Slams for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. That's it. Totally. Like, 
five in April? Even oh, better. Yeah. Like it's crazy. It was just it's the last thing I expected, which makes which makes baseball so much fun. Right. And they still have more Grand Slams than the White Sox and Reds have wins. They have the same amount as the Marlins now. They have five wins, but the Reds still only have three wins, and the White Sox only have four. So that was that. That just blew my mind when I heard that stat. I was like, "That's not even right." No team should have more Grand Slams than a team have wins three weeks into the season. I mean, that's that's nuts. Um, thoughts on the Yankees because they're eleven and nine, and they're pretty average right now. And the team in the division besides the Sox is the Blue Jays right now. The Blue Jays are the thirteen and eight team, not the Yankees. The Yankees were supposed to be the seventeen and four team. So. What's wrong with them? Is Stanton a big, the big bust? Is, he, is New York bright, lights too bright for him? Judge isn't doing that much. Their pitching's kind of eh. Like, what's going on with them? You know, I wish I could pinpoint, like, one specific thing. I mean, it could be Aaron Boone being the first-year manager. It could be that there's Sanchez, Stanton, and Judge. When you have three superstars on a team, the pressure's there. So... Maybe it's too much for all of them to be kind of under each other's spotlight. And maybe, and and we know that it's hard to play in a big city with a lot of pressure just from fans, let alone the team. So somewhere like the Yankees, obviously, it's huge. And Stanton's not used to that. So maybe it's just him kind of first year kind of like getting a feel for it. Maybe he's not meant for kind of the cold weather we've been having. I don't really know. But it's... I don't want to say satisfying as a Red Sox fan because we're watching the Yankees. <laughs> it totally is. But it, it's, it's pretty satisfying. But it, it's funny because it's, you know, on Twitter, it's the Yankees fans when they're like, oh, it's only April, calm down. It's like, yeah, yeah but if you guys were 17 and 4, or if you guys just swept the Red Sox, you would be like, ha, oh, you guys suck. Like, you don't have Stanton, blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, Stanton isn't living up to the expectations you guys have, at least not right now. Oh, far from it. Not even hitting 200, which is crazy. At least that was the case as of a couple days ago. Maybe he's cracked it now. I'm going to look just because I want to know. All right, Stanton is hitting 185, even worse. (laughs) Fantastic. Wow. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah, it was 196 the last time I saw. I guess he hasn't gotten any hits since then. He's hitting 185, four homers, 12 RBI. Pathetic. So wow. I think it's just mostly with their team inconsistent right now. They're just they can't seem to string several wins together. They're just kind of hanging around that average 500 mark. So I love it. I think it's awesome. I'm super excited, mostly because I said that they're overrated before the year. You can vouch for that. I've said that several times on the show. I said they are not going to be as good as people think. And sure enough, thus far, I know it's early, but so far they're not. They're not doing it. So. I think that's the most fascinating thing with with a lot of teams this year, actually, is the averageness of teams that were supposed to be good. Yankees are eleven and nine, Indians are eleven and eight, um, the Nationals are ten and eleven, the Cubs are ten and nine, and the Dodgers are ten and nine, are nine and ten. That's a lot of teams that people expect to be really good, and they're all super average right now. That's the biggest surprise in the league, besides the Red Sox being seventeen and four to me. Baseball's weird. <laughs> So unpredictable, it, right? <laughs> it is. It really is. And that's what makes the sport so fun. It's never boring because no. you tell me somebody, you find me somebody at the beginning of the year, beginning of the baseball season, but they're like, oh, yeah, the Red Sox are going to be the best team in the league for the month of April. Find me somebody. Right. Because you probably won't be able to. Because I picked them to win the World Series this year, and I feel really it's- smart at the moment. But even I didn't, I mean, 
a 17 and 2 start? You just don't see that. That's just insane. And so was 17 and 4. They lost two in a row, and I don't even care. That's still insane. I mean, you just don't see that. As you saw, I mean, breaking records left and right. Like, best team in the league since 2003. You know, if they had won one more game, they would have been the best team in the league since 1985 or whatever. So, like, this is historic. I mean, and the best part about it is they set such a tone for the season because they can go, you know, 10 and 10 over the next 10 games, and they'll still be 27 and 14 which is, I guarantee you, will still be the best record in the league at that point, if that is the case. And that's only going 10-10. and 10. That's amazing. Like, if you just think about it, what they have to do, how many games they have to lose just to get to 500 or get anywhere close to being, like, five, six, seven games over 500. It's, mm-hmm. They have to lose so much. So much. Right. They put themselves in such a good position, even though it's early. It's just such a huge thing because it just – sets the tone. I mean, I wasn't around for the 60s and 70s uh, Celtics teams, but I've heard that that's what they did. They got off to insane starts where they were like 20 and 2 and 25 and 4 and 35 and 6. So they could go super average for the rest of the season and still be the best team in the league. It's so important to get off to a quick start because you just have so much room for error. It's it's wildly important and I'm so thrilled that they've been able to do it because we can kind of rest on that and the best part is you know they're not going to rest on it. You know, Cora's already said, like, and Dombrowski's already said, like, yeah, we're having a great season, but we're not going to rest on our great record. We're going to keep playing. Because it's easy to rest on a 17-4 and record. You could easily just take two weeks off and say, let's get some rest, you know? No, abs- they're absolutely. not going to. But that's the beauty of having such a strong start to the beginning of the season. It's it's awesome. So that's where we're at. It's pretty exciting. We're going to give you some predictions for this week, uh, as we always do. I got last week right in terms of record. I didn't get it right in terms of what was going to happen. I said two out of three from both teams. Instead, it was a three-game sweep and lose two out of three. But I'll take it. I'll take uh, I'll take getting it right, even though it wasn't exactly right. So, um, so we got three against Toronto, Tuesday through Thursday, off day on Monday. And then the Tampa Bay Rays are back, who have not had a good season. But if you notice there in the standings, they won four games in a row. So they're back a little bit. They're 8-13 and 13 now. And obviously, I said Toronto is thirteen and eight, so they've had a good season so far. So three at Toronto, and then three versus Tampa Bay. Um, start me out with some Toronto. What do you got in that series? I think they're going to win two out of three. And I know Toronto's playing well, but I think I think they're going to kind of get back into their groove. And I think they'll lose the first game. I think that's where that one loss will come in. But mm, Rick Porcello, I just, yeah, but but no home runs. Like he'll keep that streak alive. <laughs> All right, good. But I see them just kind of getting, like I said, just getting back into their groove, getting back, like, the, the hits. The hits need to come, and they obviously will. And I think it's going to happen against Toronto. I think it's a good place to start, start a new record. Yeah, I agree. Win two out of three. It's, it's a tough series because they're a good team and it's on the road. But you got Porcello and Sale pitching. Um, it's going to be hard to sweep them, although I said that about the Angels, and that turned out to be... Uh, completely wrong. So I think two out of three is a safe bet for that. Um, it would be good to win two out of three after losing these two games here, get back on a winning track. You know, they hadn't lost the series until the A's series. So I feel good about two out of three. Um, and then Tampa Bay, three games there, Pomerantz, Price, and Porcello. Rays are playing better, but you know what happened against them in the first seven matchups this year. So what do you got in that series? Uh, same thing as Toronto, going two out of three. Um, 
and just, you know, I want to pick sweep every single time. I want to pick sweep every single series. I know it's not realistic, but I think these are, it's only, it's only April. It's going to be May soon, but I think winning against opponents in the AL East is very important no matter where you are, you are in the season. And I think the Red Sox are just going to, they're going to cool down, but they're not going to freeze. There's not going to be any, like, six, seven, eight game losing streaks. But they're going to start, they're going to start kind of coming back down to earth, I think, during this week. But I still think they're going to come out with that winning record of four and two. Is that, that right? Is, that is four, yeah, four and two, and two. So, two, two from Toronto, two from Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. I think these games are going to be blowouts. I think it's going to be... Four three, four two, kind of games. Yeah, I'm with you on the record. I'm going two out of three, also for a four and two week, which is what I picked this last week, and that was right. I mean, you want to pick every a sweep every time, but this this pace that they're at is just so hard to keep up in baseball. I mean, you lose 62 games in a season, you still have 100 wins, so you're bound to lose some games. Um, I certainly don't want to be negative anyway, because there's no reason to be, even after losing two in a row. But I think Tampa Bay, you know, they figured it out a little bit and. We just beat the living crap out of them in those other games. So I think that we had two out of three, four and two week, um, get back on track a little bit, win two more series going into a series against Kansas City, and they're terrible so far. So we'll see what happens with those series, but we both got four and two. We'll see what happens. They'll probably go six and oh, be waiting on a uh, 23 and four start. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> I'd love that. But we'll take 21 and six as well, because that's pretty darn good as well. All right, that's going to do it for us here. She's Lauren Campbell. I'm Jess Thomas. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Media. Follow us on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And most importantly, go to draft.com. Make those drafts. Happen.